Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. And we are back for another edition of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick. And Jesse, we've gone mobile today. We are not in the Beat Lab at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We are sitting right now in the radio booth at Allegiant Stadium. Man, what what could be one of the best views in Vegas for the pod right now? If only you guys could see it. It was amazing being back in the stadium. Have Raider Nation pile in. I think we should just do the pod from here the rest of the time. I, mean, I know. I mean, we can get my guy Ray to get a nice setup for us, yeah. and maybe we could. But we were, we were talking during practice today because, obviously, we were up here making sure everything was working, running all the tests and whatnot. And I looked over to Ray at one point, too. I was like, dude, we like have one of the best views in the house. Yeah. And it was awesome. I mean, you guys obviously on the field today had a, had a nice glimpse of everything. But for us, we got the bird's eye view. And especially mm-hmm. when there's 90 guys out there on the field yeah. or 88, whatever it ended up being today. Like, it's nice to have that aerial view for sure. It is. That was the thing. It's like for us, when the offense was going away from us, obviously there's only so much that we can see. But yeah, I was actually thinking about that while we were down there. And luckily they had the stream of the practice up on the, you know, big screens and everything. So we were able to see that. But yeah, man, this is a great spot. We're about the, what, 30-ish looking down from all the way up right next to the press box. So you got a bird's eye view. This is basically kind of close to what our view will be like once the season actually starts. Very similar. Very, very similar. I mean, essentially, if you look to our left, is where the Raiders media in normal times, right, is set up. Mm-hmm. So today it's just who do we got out there? It's mostly our Raiders.com staff. Shout out my guy, Will Kiss, for hooking us up with the booth. The man. And, exactly. It was funny. I was walking through here and we were getting set up. And one of our game day presentations folks was like, oh, man, you guys got the permanent, you got the uh, the private booth today? And I was like, yeah, it helps to know the PR guy. <laughs> That's how we do it. Exactly. Easy peasy. But speaking of practice today, Obviously, an exciting day for I think everyone involved. Mm-hmm. We saw something new. We've been at the you know been at the facility for gosh two weeks now, two and yeah. a quarter weeks, whatever it is. That's it. And we see, oh yeah, it feels <laughs> like a month. But we get out. We're in the world today. About what do we call it? Twenty thousand people, twenty thousand yeah. season ticket holders here in attendance at Allegiant to watch practice. And it was good to feel the energy of the people again, man. It really was. It was, and that's the thing. Is like, look, I've been to a couple games in Oakland. But this was my first experience seeing Raider Nation here in Vegas, aside from the opener when they were all gathered outside last year. You know, so seeing Raider Nation inside here, that was pretty awesome. And for me, I, I didn't quite know what to expect driving in today. And when we were walking up from where they have us parked for media, I'm thinking, okay, what's it going to be like? I saw people tailgating. Yes. I saw two hours before a practice. We're talking about practice. Yeah. People were lined up outside, a massive line to get into this place. So I was like riled up getting in. Then I come in here, you start hearing everybody, Raiders, Raiders. Are you hearing it out there? And like that just got me so fired up for the season and what this place is going to be like when it's packed to the gills. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. We heard from Derek Carr during, well, actually right after practice, and he essentially said the same thing. Like, I can't yeah. wait to see what it's going to be like. But I had that exact same experience as you where I'm walking in and much like you like I didn't know what to expect and mm-hmm. and frankly this is a dress rehearsal or today was a dress rehearsal yeah. for the team and you know they went through the entire pregame routine in terms of like the intros all that kind of good stuff but it was a, it was a dress rehearsal for us too so I'm walking in and I'm, I'm like you I'm like what are we going to expect like yeah. I don't know where to park this and that <laughs> and I'm walking in and you see the Raiders flags flying you see the carne asada on the grill yes. like it reminded me of like oh this is this is what it's supposed to be like yeah you know? and the thing too is like I've always said this since the Raiders got here. I'm like, I wonder how we're going to meld Oakland and Vegas mm-hmm. and even Southern California Raider Nation. How just how Raider Nation and Vegas are going to kind of meld together and become one now. The teams here, obviously, fans and everything. It's going to be back to a quote unquote normal year having people back in the building. So I'm real curious to see what that's going to manifest itself like. So it was cool to see some OG Raider Nation in the house yes. to kind of show Vegas how Raider Nation does it. Exactly. And, you know, I always told people where back in Oakland at the Coliseum, 
going to a Raiders game was like going to the best house party yeah. in the East Bay that day. And it's going to be a little bit different here for a variety of reasons. But I was like, I was, it warmed my heart walking in, hearing the music going. Like I said, smelling the barbecue. Everyone is out having a good time. And it was hot today, too. Yeah. Like, this was not like an 85-degree day. Like, it was probably like, what, 105 when we were walking in? I think and I saw people, 107. I yeah. was like, okay, like, it's it's spicy outside. And people are still getting after it, man. Yeah. It, was, it was awesome. And they were getting after it in here, too. And really, when we look at practice, it felt like a pretty situational kind of day for the yeah. team. I mean, they weren't in full pads. There were a lot of guys who kind of sat out. So Josh didn't go. Richie didn't go. Darren Waller. Uh, unique Max or a handful of others. Yeah, Denzel Good. Yeah, Denzel Good's another one. Mm. But it really did feel like outside of going through the pregame and looking at how they're going to do this, right? It was really like let's run through situations and stuff that we don't necessarily get the chance to do when we're at the <laughs> Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. No, I, I, it was exactly that. And also, you know, they pumped in the crowd noise and everything like that to simulate that. Because look, when you're outside, out at the training facility there in Henderson. You, you can turn the volume up, but it's not the same as hearing it echo here inside Allegiant Stadium. And that was the thing that struck me is, one, I can't wait till we're just done with the fake crowd noise. Yes. Like, when they can just burn that soundtrack, that's going to be great. But it was so loud, and the way you could hear it echo in here. And obviously, the audio guys were cranking that all the way to the max. But to see them and see the communication between the offense and defense is really what we got an opportunity to see. Again, they weren't in pads, so that was my big takeaway, seeing the communication, you know, if you start to see issues, you know, in terms of, you know, whether they're going to fail on defense or offense, whatever it is, and maybe not get their assignments correct. I didn't see a lot of that. I did see guys making sure they were getting the communication back and forth in there. And that's good because you need those reps before you get to the live fire. And they'll get that in the preseason because we have it this year. But being able to turn the volume up in this place, crank it up, and even get some real fan noise mixed in with the fake stuff, that was my big takeaway to see how they kind of handle that. Yeah, I'm with you 100% where – you know, there's so many, the facility in Henderson is incredible, right? It, it is kind of the perfect place for us to go through training camp, to go through everything that this team needs to get through between now and week one. But there's certain limitations to doing that. You don't have a 65,000 state, <laughs> 65, person stadium in Henderson. You just don't. No. But it was great today. I think one of the things, my favorite kind of periods of this whole practice was two things. One, on the big screen, we were talking about this earlier, they put up what the guys were doing in each period. Yeah. So if you're a fan of this team, right? So if you're one of the 20,000 people that walked into Allegiant today and said, hey, Let's, let's see what's going on. If you go through an NFL practice and if you're not someone like me and you and Ray who sees it every single day, yeah. you're kind of like, hang on, it's been third and seven and then third and seven mm-hmm. and then third and nine. So I thought it was a nice touch that, that our in-house team really did a good job of highlighting what was going on in each period. But one of the periods that was my favorite was backed up at the one, right? Mm-hmm. So you essentially have your offense at the half yard line and you got to move the ball with the crowd noise and everything. And you just don't get a chance to work that kind of stuff. I mean, you obviously work it at practice, but it's a lot different when you can pipe that crowd noise in. You have to go, you know, you know, essentially nonverbal communication at the line of scrimmage. And you really get to have your quarterbacks running. And it, it just made me smile seeing Mariota and Derek mm-hmm. having to go up to each lineman and yell at them. And like, yeah. here's what we're doing. And those are invaluable things that come week three, week four. You're going to you're going to look back and like, thank God we did that in what? early August. Yeah. And seeing the receivers all have to relay mm-hmm. the call back to each other, you know, it turns into a game of telephone and that's where you really test like, Hey, who knows what they're doing? But I, what caught me as well when they did that. So for those of you guys that know the layout of the stadium, in terms of from where we look in, you know, on the left side is where they've got the club that's down on the field level. That's where they were backed up to. So for me, as I'm sitting there watching that and we were on the other end of the field, so we didn't get to have a great view, but I'm thinking like, man, what's it going to be like down there when the club is packed, when the opposing offense is backed up, you know, all the people in there getting lit, screaming and yelling. And then you got the fans up on the second level there. Or, well, I guess the 100 level behind them right above the club. Like, it is going to be so loud. That's when, 
It's going to be shaking. I mean, it's going to be rocking. So, yeah, that's where you get the situational stuff right there, which was a big thing for them to be able to do. And just continue to work through the kinks. And, again, for them, this is the time of camp where it gets monotonous. You know, you've been installing for a while, most of the guys, because there's not a ton of new guys in super key positions, obviously a couple here and there. For the most part, these guys know the offense, so it can get monotonous. Well, you do that, it mixes it up, injects a little life into it, and gets you set for when the live fire starts coming in, what, just under a week now? I know, which is crazy to even say. You know, I, I tweeted out earlier, I was like, credit to John and the staff for yeah. the timing of this, too, because they got the off day tomorrow, mm-hmm. and this gives you something to look forward to. I mean, even for us, like, yeah. we didn't go to Henderson today, we came to the stadium, and the monotony of camp, just the over and over repetition, it can drain on you. And if it's draining on guys like you and me, yeah. imagine if you're Denzel Good, if you're Derek Carr, if you're Max, like, you want to look at something different. And having a chance to do it today, to run through player intros, which is yeah. a lot of fun. I was laughing that I think we introed about like 37 <laughs> guys on each yeah. side of the ball. Because I thought they were going to do for, like just the starting the 11. So they started to do the defense, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's cool. Like defense got the nod. And then they're like, oh, and they just kept going and going <laughs> and going. Yeah. And I was like, my God, are we going to do all of them? And then we just rolled right into the offense and we did another 35. And so player intros would probably take like in normal times, like three minutes. And I feel like we were doing it for 10 today. Yeah, we really were. I'm no math major, but I don't think that adds up. No, I don't think we got to 22. Yeah. I think we got to 22 maybe like halfway through. No, yeah. And I was sitting there with my photographer. I was like, hey, make sure you shoot this thinking, okay, this is going to be the last one and the crowd's going to go nuts. <laughs> and then they added another and another and another. And, then another, and, another, and I'm sure another. there's some gamesmanship involved in that as well. Oh, for not, sure. Not necessarily announcing, you know, exactly who the starters are just yet. But yeah, it, it was cool to get that sense of it. Because again, like we said, this is a full run-through of game day to, to get them ready for it. You know, one guy, Willie Sneed, said we asked him about the fans, and he said, first of all, the stadium. Like, my gosh, this place is beautiful. It's a palace, you know, and he kept talking about that. And for him, how he gets to come here week one and play against his former team. Mm-hmm. So for him to get a feel like that, because I remember last year talking with Jalen Richard and a couple of the guys when they came in here, when Richard was talking about it, he was like, it's like a blacked-out H2 Hummer. Like, that yeah. just stuck with me, you know? <laughs> and so when you come into a new stadium, like, you're kind of in awe. So you need this like rip the bandaid off yep. moment to where you can come in and you can be like, wow, this is our home. And they even had actually up on the video boards that said, welcome, welcome home. home. Yeah. And that was one thing that got me too coming in here. So for the players, like that's a big thing to be able to walk around, feel it, you know, smell it, taste with the airs, like all that stuff. And then you come here for that preseason game against Seattle and you've been here, done that. Obviously it's a little different because it's a game. And then week one, Monday night football is going to be another step ahead of that in terms of how big it is. But just to get those things out of the way to where it's not completely new, you know where to park your car if you're a player, mm-hmm. just like us. It's not new. It's It becomes routine, and it makes things easier for them. And think about this. If you're a rookie on this team, the odds are you haven't been to this building. Yeah. Obviously, we're still living in this COVID protocol world, and the building isn't, quote-unquote, as open as mm-hmm. it would be in normal times. So if you're a rookie, if you're Alex Leatherwood, you need to be in here before week one. You need to be in here before we play the Seahawks this weekend. Yeah. So I think it was, like like I said, perfect timing to have this, a little break in the eyes. It kind of felt like a field trip today a little bit. You it know did. what I mean? And one more thing even to that note, too, and and, and the reason I bring this up is because, uh, you know, when they did the battle for Vegas, when it was the Golden Knights against the Raiders, the charity softball game, we were talking to a couple of the guys, and they were like, well, we're nervous because this is the first time some of them, like, they had played on teams in Canada that were former Knights, Nate Schmidt. Mm. He said, he's like, I'm nervous. This is the first time I played in front of fans in however long. Yeah. So for some of these guys, it'll be the first time they played in front of a packed house in so long. So inching into it with the, like we said, 20K or so coming in here, that's another thing you like, you rip that bandit off of like, oh, I remember what it's like having crowd noise and things like that. You know, it's, it's a real thing. And big credit to the 20,000 that were here because yeah. they didn't sound like 20,000. I mean, obviously, didn't. obviously it didn't sound like a full house, nah. but it sounded like a lot more than 20,000. I think there's just that natural 
energy, that natural excitement. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan, you're like, if you're a fan, you've been waiting to get in this building for four years, Heck yeah. five years. And even if you have to come in to watch a practice, like, hey, that beats the heck out of just sitting at home and watching this on TV. So I think there was such a good energy in the building today. I think that the timing of everything worked out. It was about two hours from, from uh, start to finish. And I think if you're a fan, you can stay engaged for that long. Like if you're watching practice and you're pushing it to two and a half hours, three hours, <laughs> like, come on, I don't care. If it's the, you know, the 86 Bears down there, you're going to be yeah. like, all right, let's move this thing along. But I thought the timing of it was great. I thought the kind of show of it was great. We had Eric Allen doing uh, player interviews out mm-hmm. there with Max and, and uh, who was it, and Darren Waller. Yep. And, and it was just a good event. And I think you said it was a great kind of like next thing on the checklist for these guys to warm up getting into, uh, I guess, leading into week one. But you talked about Willie Sneed. Mm-hmm. And Willie Sneed's a guy that has kind of very quietly just gone about his business, but he's been really solid, and I think that showed out here today. He has, and look, he's a vet. You know, he was talking about today how, like, you know, working with the younger guys, whether it's Renfro, Ruggs, and Brian Edwards, like five years ago he said, I was one of those younger guys. But he's been there, done that now. So, yeah, he he has come in, and he doesn't, like, jump off the page to you when you're watching practice, but similar to some offensive linemen and things like that, it's just like, wow, like he gets it done. I remember the first time I saw him, first couple of days in camp, I was watching him, and he runs. We talked about how Bo is one of those guys that kind of runs very upright and different upright runners. That's kind of what Snead does. Mm. He doesn't look like he'd be super fast or very agile and stuff like that, but like he just gets open, which is key very, to being, very Renfro-esque. Exactly. Too. That's what I was going to say, like key to being a slot receiver a la Renfro. And so that's that thing is like he just – I don't know, it looks so effortless when he's doing it. It's not like he's blowing past people, but he's just creating space and getting open. And one of the things, to the note of Renfro, he said, I took note of it when I asked him about it today. He said, I learned from Renfro every day, and he said all the time he'll be watching him, and he's like, how the heck did he do that? Yeah. You know? And so that's cool when you've got a vet that's learning from a guy like Renfro, and that just goes to show you like how solid that dude's game is. But also Renfro was saying how much he's learned from Willie Sneed in terms of like, you know, you, you know what you're going to do pre-play. That's the difference between the offense and defense. Defense is reacting. But he was like, I can read what the defense is going to do because I know what's coming, and I know exactly how I'm going to work on this choice route or whatever the heck it is. So it's that next level of, like, mastery in the offense for him. And, Willie, to your point, we don't we don't know how Renfro does it most of the time either. Yeah. Like, I look at Renfro. Renfro's the, the kind of guy that I say this all the time where, yes, I know he looks like the dude next door. He looks like you're an insurance agent. But you actually look at him on the field, and I still don't know – how he gets up after mm-hmm. getting hit each time. Cause it feels like he just gets clobbered so many times each game and up, up he pops ready to do it again. Third and Renfro. Here we go. Yeah. Multiple times, whether it's throughout the season in camp, whatever. And they're not taking him to the ground too often at camp, Yeah, but I've seen him get hit and I'm like, Oh yeah. And then he bounces up and it's like nothing happened. Like a pinball. Just, yeah, dude. He's like, he's like Gumby. Yeah. He really is. It's crazy. But I, that's part of having that wiggle is you're going to get hit. It may look bad, but like you absorb a lot of the blows by the way that you were able to kind of move and get out of the way. And that's just, he's gifted with that. You know? He is, man. He's Yeah, he wasn't gifted with being 6'2", 220, <laughs> but man, he was gifted with wiggle. He was gifted yep. with obviously being incredibly shifty out there. And he's mm-hmm. made himself a nice little career and he's going to make himself a lot of money one day. I promise you that. He definitely is. You know, we, we've talked about kind of this offense so much and how good it's going to be, you know, on paper in 2021. But we have to, I feel like we have to keep talking about it because it feels like each day we see something new. Today, yet again, 
another really, really strong Foster Morode. I know we've talked about Foster a lot, but he is a dude who is not going to sneak up on anyone now in 2021. And we hear from JG after practice too. give him and Darren Waller some pretty high praise. Yeah, I think, you know, we can we can now crown Foster Moreau if we hadn't already as one of the Gruden grinders. Oh, yeah. You know, Gruden definitely loves that guy. He talked about how, you know, he's got all the energy, the fact that, you know, he would do it two days if he could in terms of, you know, running it back right again. As soon as practice is done, he wants to keep going. And, and that's the type of energy you need to see. You know, especially I think it's more important to see that out of guys that aren't your top guys, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You yeah. know, if you've got guys that are twos, threes, whatever the heck you are, that have that same type of energy, like that's infectious throughout your lineup when you do have that. So, but again, not having Waller out there, he hasn't been there for a while. We did see him today. So like good news. I know people on Twitter have started to panic a bit. Let's not panic. Yeah. You and, know? and look, just to speak to that, yeah. too, you and I are not medical doctors. No. We're not here to speculate on anyone's injury status. But if. Darren, if there's anything serious wrong with Darren, he would not be addressing the crowd during the middle exactly. of a practice. You exactly. know what I mean? And he wouldn't be going through intros yep. and things like that. So yep. that was where today I was like, hey, everyone calm down. He's here. I think we can move on yeah. from that. He's going to be relax. all right. You know, so we people have relax. asked, like, is he going to be ready for week one? I, again, no doctor, but I think he's going to be just yeah, fine. I wouldn't be too concerned yeah. about that. There's bigger things to worry about in life than is Darren Waller going to be ready for the Baltimore Ravens. Exactly. And that's the one thing, too, is I think, and I saw, one, uh, I wish I could remember who it was, but on Twitter interacting with a Raiders fan, you know, he said, he's like, I'm okay with him being out, obviously, as long as he's okay, because of what it means for the sense of getting Moreau involved, getting rugs, getting Brian Edwards more snaps, more looks, and getting them ready. Because let's be honest, like, Darren Waller is that dude. He doesn't uh, – everybody needs training camp and everybody needs that little ramp up. But if anybody really doesn't need it, it's more him than those other guys. So they're getting the looks, working this offense. And Moreau had a nice day. I believe he had two touchdown catches. I had him at two. Yeah. I had him at two. Two touchdown catches, some nice ones. Obviously, one of them was a seam. Like, I feel like that's like his bread and butter in the red zone. Not to give away any, like, yeah. you know, scheme or anything like that. But I think people know by now, like, that's his thing. You get in the red zone, that big body dude, he's going to box you out. He's going to get in the end zone and score. And speaking of guys that have taken advantage of their reps with Waller down for a few days, my man Nick Bowers, baby. Yeah. Another big day. The Mariota Bowers connection was on full display mm-hmm. this afternoon a gorgeous throw and catch in the corner of the end zone and he's had a couple now mr bowers has had a couple days where i write down 82 in my notebook and and he's a guy that i think you know obviously you have waller you have foster you have Derek carrier you know you're gonna have to look at the numbers to see if you're gonna keep four tight ends what exactly. you're gonna do but he's an intriguing prospect as we get into preseason yeah no he's definitely one guy to keep an eye on for sure today i think it was a corner that he dove for got his jersey a little mm-hmm. dirty oh, came yeah. down with it like it was a great catch yeah. i took note of that one as well today even though it was way on the other side of the yeah. field like we all still knew how great of a catch it but was. the beauty of the big screens right yes yes you get to see the replay and it was nice so we were we were digging that one for sure and he has had a nice camp he's flashed multiple times you and i have talked about it either on the pod or off the pod, he has had a nice camp thus far. And one thing, like you said, guys to keep note of as we inch closer to that preseason game, like we said, we don't want to see Carr. Nope. We better not be seeing much of Jacobs at all either. And, you know, some of the big name guys, I'm sure Gruden said it after practice, you know, a lot of what they did today is going to be getting them ready for preseason in that first preseason game. So I think a lot of the guys that we didn't see go today will also be a lot of the guys that we don't see go again for that first preseason game. So that's where you start to really look at the depth on this team and those guys that are fringe type players where you get to see more work from them. And Nick Bowers is definitely one of those dudes. He's going to obviously have to bring it on special teams if he's going to unseat Carrier, which if we're being completely honest, probably not going to happen because Carrier has been really solid at that in his career with the Raiders. But could be a really you know intriguing practice squad type of guy to kind of see. But no doubt he's going to continue to battle, and he's a guy that brings some interesting tools to the table. And especially with especially with the way, I should say, that the practice squad is structured these days. Yeah. And, and I love how they're doing it. They're keeping it very similar to what it was a year ago because of COVID. But 
you have now, if you're Nick Bowers, you you have a place for him, right? And, and look, he could surprise us over the next month, and he could just play incredible in the preseason, and next yeah. thing you know, he makes a 53. But like you said, speaking realistically, like he seems like a prime practice squad guy, and that's not a bad thing. Nothing wrong with right? that. There is nothing wrong. You look, and I know I use this example all the time, Dallin Levitt was a practice squad guy, and you work, you earn your reps, you earn your chance, you earn more opportunities, yeah. and now he's a guy who is once again competing to be on the 53. So saying, oh, he's going to be on the practice squad is not a bad thing, especially in these times where you never know what's going to happen mm-hmm. leading into a week. And you need to be confident. You and I have talked about this a lot. You need to feel really, really good about number one on your roster all the way down to 53 and the guys on the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, think back to last year. And again, hopefully it's not like last year in the sense of the craziness, but how many times they had to dip to guys on the practice squad mm-hmm. and things like that and activate those players. So you need to have in this crazy world that we live in, whether it's COVID world or not, like you need to have depth. Like football is a war of attrition throughout the entire year. And usually who's ever to stay the health, who's ever able to stay the healthiest is the team that ends up going the longest or going the furthest, you know? So you have to have confidence in your depth. And so there is no reason that you can't stash some really good players on the practice squad. It happens every year. And that's the thing is you need that depth down there. So there's nothing wrong with that. Cause at the end of the day, you're still part of the 1% of the 1% yeah. of athletes <laughs> in the NFL, making some pretty good. Money oh to do yeah. It too. Oh yeah. And we talk about that depth a lot, but yeah. and it feels like, you know, when we look at position groups right now, and obviously this, this is all going to change over the next couple of weeks as we kind of see who really is a big dog once we get to the preseason, yeah. but you look at this, this tight end room now, and my goodness, this is a very, very talented group led by Darren Waller. You got Foster. Derek mm-hmm. Carrier is about as solid as solid can be. A major contributor on special teams. You got uh, Bushman. You got Nate Bauer. Excuse me, Nick Bowers. We were talking about. I mean, that is a solid group. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing is there's there's so much balance. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Waller, who's that very like rangy, really receiver type of yeah. guy that can line up anywhere on the field. Then you've got Moreau, who like. I don't think people realize like how shifty and quick he actually is for his size because he is a big dude. Like he's just thick. Yeah. You know, so he brings that different element into the red in terms of being a red zone target, a different kind of red zone target that we see in Waller because again Waller's just on a different level. But then Carrier is that guy. You will do anything. You, he can he can block. He can play special teams. He can you know catch the ball. Like he's a real balanced guy to add to it. And then you throw in all the other guys, whether it's Bowers and the other dudes like that, that I think do add some balance. So I'm going to be curious to see in the preseason how the tight end is used when it's not guys like Foster and Darren out there. Because, look, I'll be super honest with you. If we didn't see Darren until week one, I would be totally okay with with that. And Foster is kind of approaching that level, too, where I'm sure Foster would like to have some reps in the preseason. He would like to feel the battle of of a football game again. But the same thing. If you told me, hey, Foster is going to sit on the sideline, he's going to go through practice, and we'll see him, you know, Monday Night Football against the Ravens. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it, the, and the preseason is such it's such a fickle beast, right? Yeah. Where you have to it's the, the finest of lines between you want guys to get sharp, you want them to get warm, you want them to break a sweat, but then get out of there. I don't like do not have anything bad happening. I say every year, if you come out of a preseason game, doesn't matter if you win by 100 or you lose by 100. If you come out of a preseason game healthy, that's all that matters. And Gruden said that multiple times today. He's just worried about getting that 53-man roster healthy heading into the season. And at the end of the day, that is what you're looking for out of the preseason because you don't want to lose anybody that's going to be a big contributor on your football team. And so, again, that goes back to the depth because as much as we don't like to admit it, there's going to be injuries that happens. You know, that's how things go. Nature but, of the beast. Yeah, but I could only imagine, I'm sure it's a really tough job as a player and even a coach in terms of, Figuring out how to how to work through the preseason, especially when you didn't have it last year, because like, okay, look, there's certain guys they do not want to play in the preseason. Totally get it. Some dudes have no reason to be playing in the preseason. But then as a competitor, 
you do want to get out there and hit somebody else. And then those are the things like Corey Littleton even said today, you know, he can't wait until they get that preseason game going so he can lay someone out. You know, they're all chomping at the bit to go against somebody that's not wearing silver and black. So as a coach, when you're like, all right, I want to make sure this guy stays fresh and we can get him there and get him healthy. But also this dude's trying to make the team and reps are also another thing. Like there can be guys that could make this team, but may not get the opportunity to reps wise because you got to figure out a way to spread it around and give it to the guys that are kind of continuing to contribute so it, it, that's a tough job to have throughout preseason, figuring all that out. And like I said, man, it is the finest of fine lines of figuring out how to navigate. The, and thankfully, it's only three this year. It's not yeah. that far. I mean, look, that fourth preseason game was about the yeah. biggest farce in the history of professional sports. I remember going out, you were kind of getting ready for that fourth preseason game. And you look and there's like, it felt like 27 guys wearing pads yeah. because your entire, no one, none of your ones are even wearing pads. Most of your backups aren't wearing pads. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, we're going to spend four hours just kind of <laughs> kicking the ball around, seeing what's going to happen. So I credit to the NFL for getting rid of the, the fourth preseason, and we've got three of them, a much more appropriate number, it feels like. And frankly, it feels like we're going to get more out of those games now instead of stretching that to four. I think so, too, and I think people will value it more. Yeah. You know, th- like you said, that fourth one, like, come on. Oh, uh, what shame. are we doing here? It yeah. was a sham. Exactly. So I, I think three is enough. Like, we definitely need the preseason. People that talked about getting rid of it, like, no, like, that's there's a lot of people that lose jobs because of no preseason. So now... This is where guys like, you know, DJ Turner, Caleb Scott, Dylan Stoner, you know, those guys that are down there fighting for spots on this roster are going to get their reps and be able to show people what they can do in order to get a practice squad spot and things like that. Or even where you can look at guys on other teams that fill those practice squad slots as well. So the preseason is massive for that. And also just like the live bullets, you know, that's the thing is you can't replicate live reps when someone is legitimately trying to take your head off. Like practices are built for the players to succeed. Sometimes they'll put the defense in a bad spot on purpose. Sometimes they'll put the offense in a bad spot on purpose. But at the end of the day, like, it's not the same when you're out there and someone is like, hey, I'm trying to get a job. You're trying to get a job. Let's see who comes out alive in this one. And as much as it pains me to say, it hurts me, Jesse. Yeah. There's value in the preseason. Yeah. I'm, I'm like the biggest, like, oh, let's go straight into week one. Mm-hmm. We could have, like, joint practices instead. But I know in my heart of hearts, there's value in the preseason. Maybe not four games of the no. preseason, but there is value in the preseason. But we are, gosh, what are we, less than a week out now from mm-hmm. week one of the preseason, which is crazy, 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 crazy. We are rapidly going through camp. Preseason's on the way, which means Monday Night Football is not that Ooh, far off. Man. We are getting closer. It's now kind of materializing. I can kind of see if I squint my eyes and kind of, uh, do I got it? It's getting there, and I cannot wait. But we got a lot to do in between now and then. And before we get out of here, on the other side of the break, we got to talk Hall of Fame. Heck yeah. Because in addition to everything that happened here at Allegiant Stadium, Canton, Ohio tonight, to be candid, is the center of the football world. And two members of the Silver and Black are finally getting their moment in the sun. And we will break that all down in a second. But before we do, we're going to hear a quick message from our friends at Pizza Hut. The $10 tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings, just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply. And we are back here live at Elysian Stadium. Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick looking at, I don't know, let's call it what, the 35, right? Yeah. 35, 40, wherever we are. But as much fun as we had here today, as beneficial as it was to go through practice, see the team kind of run through what a mock game is going to look like for them. The center of the football world today is in Canton, Ohio. The 2020 and... 2021 Hall of... Mm-hmm. Well, I guess 2020 was yesterday. Yeah. But the 2021 group of Hall of Famers uh, officially going into the Hall of today. Two Raiders, Tom Flores and Charles Woodson, finally getting in. 
And if you're a fan of this team, if you're a fan of this organization, a great day to be a fan of the Silver and Black. Man, if you're a fan of football, yeah. Like, for Flores, it's about damn oh, time. Should have happened a preach. long time ago. So that's huge for him to go in there. And I, it was really cool seeing them get their jackets the other day. You know, and just hearing, and you could hear Raider Nation was out yeah. there in force as well. I could hear some of the Raiders in the background. So, like, you love seeing that. And I, I'm just really excited for both of their speeches. But I really want to see what C. Wood's going to say, too. Yeah. Because you know that dude can bring the heat. Remember he did the, uh, the pump-up video and everything about fans being back in here. So I'm fired up to see what Seawood has to say. And Seawood going last. He's yeah. uh, he's the closer tonight. And there's a reason. Yeah, that, well, 100% there's yeah. a reason. But you would think that just on kind of name recognition alone that Peyton Manning would get that honor. But yeah. I, and Peyton Manning is tremendous, right? Mm -hmm. Incredible football player, incredible personality. But Seawood is much more of a showman yes. than Peyton Manning is. Like Charles will put like, they're going to be like pyrotechnics. <laughs> and like he'll, I, he'll like guarantee he's going to get like a Raiders chant going. Yep. And he is the perfect guy to kind of be the exclamation mark to all the speeches tonight. And by the time this comes out, because we're recording, it's 4.20 right now. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time my man Ray is done mixing this, the speeches will already have gone out. And it'll be a lot of fun to see what they have to say. But I think one of the great things about the Hall of Fame, especially with the older generation of guys, and talking about Tom Flores here, is that there's so many of us, myself included and you included, I never knew Tom Flores as a player. No. He played 30 years before you were born. Yeah. Didn't even really know the guy as a coach. But the fact that you now get to have a history lesson, one, and not for you and I, but for the general fan, if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, mm -hmm. or whoever it is, you get to learn about this guy. You get to learn about his story, what he brought to the game, what he brought to this organization, what he brought to just kind of the world of sport as a pioneer in so many different ways. Like, that's really cool that people are going to get to know him a little bit better. And I think a perfect example of that is we have had just incredible Tom Flores, Charles Woodson content on Raiders.com yeah. over the past, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours as they got a can. And my mother-in-law hit up the hit up the boss and she goes, hey, because we posted the, the video of him putting the jacket mm -hmm. on. And she doesn't care about the Raiders, yeah. right? Like, she, I think she roots for us to win or, you know, do well because I'm here. But, like, mm -hmm. she's not watching the games on Sunday. <laughs> And she was like, oh, it's such a great video because there's such a human element of it too, right? Where you see Tom's an older dude and he finally gets this moment and he puts that jacket on and you can just see, one, he gets emotional and you can see him trying to hold the tears Heck back. Yeah. But you can just see how much it means to me. He pats his heart a few times. Like, it's just objectively such a cool human moment and it's going to mean the world to him and his family that he's going to go in tonight. It is. And that's the thing is like, I could only imagine, you know, as much as we all say like, hey, it's about time that he got in, massive moment, everything. Imagine being him. Oh. And you know, probably wondering, is this ever going to happen? And it does. And I couldn't imagine that feeling of relief for him, but also that feeling of like validation. Yeah. You know, and just having that sigh of relief. You said you could see the emotions in him. You know, that's just... Like, oh, like that's the stuff that like even gets, I'm not a super emotional guy, but yeah. like, that's the stuff oh, that I gets am. me. Oh, know? dude, I'll cry. Yeah. I will, I'm probably put the over under at like one and a half of times I tear up tonight. Hey, that's good you though. Know? It's, I mean, the you Flor Flores will get me. I'll probably cry once during Flores' yeah. speech and then, I'm sure Charles will get me at some point. That's too, like, but. and the thing that always gets me is like seeing seeing them like you know when they show shots of the people in the crowd, mm. whether it's their family. And the family definitely yesterday watching a bit, I was kind of like, oh, like fight yeah, back here some it comes, tears. Here it like, comes. No, no, no. But like seeing that, and also like guys that used to like played and stuff like that, when they can give shout outs to their former teammates, yeah. like I love seeing that. You know, uh, I thought Edron James was great yesterday. He had a great when he started my career with gold teeth. Now I'm ending it with a gold jacket. <laughs> like I was like, drop the mic, you're done. That was dope. But I can't wait to hear what they have to say. Again, a history lesson, like you said, and also just for them to be able to do it in their own words. That's that's the part yeah. that's really cool. You know, and 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 the thing is too, and 
like you said, in their own words, like they get to tell their story. Yeah. And Seawood, amongst being arguably the greatest defensive back in NFL history, a first ballot Hall of Famer, is an incredible storyteller. Yeah. So to give this man an open mic for what, 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, and let him just go, mm-hmm. like that is going to be really cool. Regardless of whether you like football or not, you got to just tune in to see what Charles is going to say. Yeah, and I, I know I think this year I think they put a limit on them, like a hard limit. They're going to start playing the academy music, yeah, you know, to pull him yeah, off stage. Yeah. But with Seawood going last, yeah, he, I mean, there's no they, time limit. Yeah. Who's going to go up there and pull him off the it, stage? No one. I the short answer is no one. Exactly. So and, I'm excited to hear that from him. And I, I kind of hope he goes off the cuff a little bit too, because yeah. were you there at that final game in Oakland, or that might have been was? Did you start coming no, us the year after? It was the year after, yeah. So, or excuse me, not the final year in Oakland, Charles's final game. So when C. Wood had his final game in his final game in Oakland, not the team's final game, mm-hmm. his final game in Oakland, he essentially went to midfield and they just turned the mic on for him and he addressed the crowd. Ugh. And I had asked him, and he, I mean, obviously that video is going crazy on Raiders.com right now, shameless plug. <laughs> but I asked him when he came in in like, what was it, March or April, about that. And I was like, like, don't lie to me, bro. Like, did you have something written out? Like, did you have like bullet points? And he goes, dude, I didn't even know I was going to do that until like two minutes after the game ended. And he goes, I just, I went from the heart and it is an incredible piece of public speaking. Mm -hmm. And you're like, God, if this guy just after a 60 minute game, an NFL game is like, all right, give me 30 seconds. All right, here we go. Yeah. Imagine what he's going to do. He's been preparing for this, what, six months? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. is I've hopped on a couple of the different media availabilities with him where he's kind of talked about stuff. And I'm sure, again, like we said, this will already be out by the time, you know, or some of you may be listening to it after they'd already talked. But I remember him talking about how he said he felt like his entire career he's been running, you know, mm. running, running, running his entire year, career. And so after he got the news, he said it was only fitting for him to get one last run in. Like, this dude just found out that he got invaded into the Hall of Fame, and he goes and goes for a jog. I don't remember how many miles he said he put in, but, like— 24, probably. Yeah, right. Oh, that'd be fitting, too, yeah. But, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, to show you how differently wired yeah. these dudes are. Like, I just made it to the Hall of Fame, the pinnacle of my career, thinking of, that you work your entire life for. I'm about to go for a run. And that's the difference between you and me. Yeah. Or not you and me, but us and C. Wood. Mm-hmm. Because if I find out, if I'm getting incredible, monumental news— I have a couple of bottles of really nice Heck champagne yeah. in in the closet for a, for a big moment. That's what I'm doing. I'm not going for a run. I'll go for a run the next day. Yeah. But like, if you say, "Hey, Eddie, you're a Hall of Famer. Hey, Eddie, you won this incredible award." Psh, that's yeah. what we're doing. We're popping bottles. You better believe. I mean, he popped some vino. Oh, for sure. you know, hundred percent. You know, you know, he put some down. Oh but yeah. He had to get the run in first. But yeah, no. First thing for me is not like, hey, let me go get a workout in. Yeah. <laughs> I love working out at all, but don't get me wrong. I'm not about to do that. I'm about to party. What do you do? Jesse Mary gets the call. Jesse, you're going into the Nevada Broadcasters <laughs> Hall of Fame. Step one, what are you doing? Ooh, man. Step one, what I'm doing. I, it's got to be, I got to get all the friends together yep. and start partying. Just having a good time, man. Yeah. Just celebrating it. Because that's the thing is, like, just like these guys, you want your family and friends to be a part of it there. You definitely got to do it. I'm definitely not going for a run. No. <laughs> no. Right, I'm going to hit the gym, go do some squats, <laughs> and then we're going to come back and party. <laughs> and like I said, these guys are just different, man, from yeah. Tom to Charles to, you know, everyone that's going in tonight, man. They are just a different Different breed. And we just got a, a tweet that came in from Max Crosby as recording. Raider Nation was in full effect today at Allegiant. A couple fire emojis. We love y'all so much. This is about to be a special year. And I think before we get out of here, it just shows like how excited these guys were 
to not only be in this building, but to be be in this building with fans too. You can, and you, and you mentioned that they were down there with EA doing the interviews yep. on the field. You can just see the excitement level from them, and just the look on their faces, like the smiles that they have. Even Gruden today, like my guy Willie G was talking about him in the press conference about how you know he just had that like that mm-hmm. Gruden grin, yep. you know, and you could tell he's just enjoying it. You can tell the players are enjoying it. Like, look, let's be honest, like. Raider Nation is one of the best in the business. Like, so you guys obviously give them life and give them energy. And so just seeing that look on their face and them knowing it's about to go down, this place is about to be packed, I can't wait. Because I know, again, it fired both of us up. So for them, I can only imagine what it does to them. And look, 2020 was a disaster of a year. Yeah. And obviously, you and I were fortunate enough to be in the group that came here. We got to watch the games. We got mm-hmm. to experience the first season in Allegiant. But I'll just say this. Football is supposed to be played in front of fans. Yeah. It is not supposed to be played in these empty cathedrals, right? I am not supposed to be able to hear the snap count. It's not what it's supposed to be like, right? And it's so excited, or I'm so excited that we're getting, we're going to have fans here. We're going to have that energy back because that is what we've all been waiting for, Mm -hmm. hoping for, praying for. And it is finally, well, not here yet. Almost. But we are getting closer day by day. So, we got to get out of here. I got to go watch some Hall of Fame speeches. I want to see what yeah. C was say. He's got to be in the ascot tonight too, right? 100%. Yeah. Has to. I wonder if he's got like a special, I'll have to ask him. I wonder if he has like a special Hall of Fame ascot. I bet you he does. Yeah, he probably he's does. He's got that swag. He does. Absolutely. So, Freddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, uh, our pal Alexandra, who's working remote today because she's back in the control room and we're here. And my man Ray on the ones and twos and everyone else at Silver and Black Productions, thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, when are we back? We're back at the end of this week, Jesse, Mm -hmm. to talk about we're going to preview, as crazy as this sounds, we are going to preview a preseason game. And I cannot wait. So we will see you guys in just a few days for another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network.